What's up, everybody? We're back again. It's episode 31 of the Dad Bod Golf Pod. You got Kyle, Nate, Ben, and probably the biggest biggest guest we've ever had, uh, Mr. Buddy Alexander. Buddy, how's it going, man? Doing great. I'm not sure about the biggest, but probably the oldest. Let me get hey, definitely, hey, definitely so far, so far. Let me get hey. Let's go through just. This isn't just any. This isn't any any dude. We're gonna go through this this resume, buddy, real quick. Okay, it may take me a minute. So everybody, just uh, get get, hunker down. get comfortable. Hunker down. Get comfortable. So we got collegiate two time All American at Georgia Southern, uh, two time national champion golf coach at the University of Florida. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight-time SEC champion, Coach. And no, 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 it's ten. Ten. Okay. Oh, well, hey, wow. Hey, we got to get it. We got to get into wiki. We can get That's into a, wiki. We can edit that. Two at That's LSU that they always forget. Hey, we got to get in there and fix that. Hey, That's a flex. I, we can edit. We can edit wiki. So we'll get in there and we'll get that fixed. <laughs> yeah, we'll do eleven. Yeah, nineteen eighty-six U.S. Am champion. And probably, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, buddy. The most, the, the most proudest thing that you have to be is you're the, the reigning AU club member, member champ, and uh, senior club champ all at the same time with two parking spots. That's yeah. iconic. Iconic. Yeah. yeah, I know. Hey, well, one of them's for lease until I lose it. So <laughs> anybody who wants to come up with a little jelly, uh, they can park in my spot. Hey, buddy, who did you beat in the member, member? to get that parking spot <laughs> uh i can't remember who it was nah. yeah that's our very own kyle rush a couple of yeah, kids but, a couple of kids but buddy took buddy took broke my heart in a three-hole slugfest playoff he's a he's did a, you make it all three holes kyle yeah yeah we were there we, yeah, but we were duking it out final two. we were duking it out it was it was uh me but and my they had a chance to win on the second playoff hole yeah we did we had a chance i had a putt to win it and i just yeah, like, i nipped, uh, nipped the edge nipped the edge had didn't have a sweet, sweet roll script 15 no. footer it was it was uh yeah it was it was close you had a good putt that's that was that could have been the highlight of my golfing career right there and I now kyle you you've told us your side of this story does buddy remember the side of the story what's that his end of playing you in in that in that three hole playoff, yeah, he just he just talked about the whole thing. Like, yeah, I mean, but I'm ta- I'm talking about sending you off, just sending you off the course. Just, oh, this you know is a what? different. This is that's a different tournament. Oh, it's that's- a whole different tournament. <laughs> yeah, so you got multiple losses yeah. to him. I got you. I'm okay. I'm with you, buddy. He's talking about the shootout where I got to number seven and okay. my ball hadn't quite got off the tee, and you told me to get the heck out of here. We'll see you next year. <laughs> I was like, hey, let's just make sure it doesn't like hit a tree and come back into play. So uh, <laughs> that was great. So, uh, buddy, man, thanks for taking the time to do this. Um, I know you're getting ready to go play in a big tournament. So, uh, leaving tomorrow, right? I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to play in the um, U.S. Senior Am. Where is that being held? It's at the Country Club of Detroit. Wow. Country Whoa. Club of Detroit. Long flight. All right, cool. So um, the biggest reason we want to have you on, we, we our schedules didn't quite line up. We wanted to get you on around the USAM, which was actually two weekends ago, and kind of talk about the format and things like that. Um, James Piot from uh, Michigan State took that title and 
he's talked about how awesome it is, like getting calls from celebrities and things like that. And he's got some cool exemptions coming up that I'm going to let you kind of break down. But I kind of wanted you to just kind of we're just average guys. So this is the like I said, the dad bod golf pod. We're not super technical and, and know a whole lot about the formats of all these tournaments. So I kind of wanted you to, you know, tell us how I guess that format, like how that the stages and things like that, how it gets to where it gets to the match play that you see on TV, if you don't mind. Well, I mean, you know, interestingly enough, I am so old that I've actually played uh, the U.S. Amateur at three different formats. In uh, 1972, my first one, it was it was 72 holes of stroke play. And then in 73, it went to a straight up match where there were 300 and some odd people in there and half, you know, 50 or 60 guys got a buy. It was kind of stupid uh really in my opinion uh Craig Stadler won at Inverness and I you know I think he you know if you got a buy you only had to win seven matches if you didn't you had to win eight and wisely in 1979 they went to the current format which was at that time 156 no I guess it was 312 because they played two courses but it starts with uh first of all you have to qualify uh sectionally to to get in the tournament which is uh, typically forever and ever is 36 holes in one day you can find sites now where especially where it's really hot where you play 18 on one day and 18 on the other and uh, you know the odds aren't good there's about 9,000 people that enter the golf tournament and there's 312 that get in and there's Wow. There's a handful that are exempt. There, there are probably about 50 exemptions now. Back in the day, there were no exemptions other than guys that made the Walker Cup team and former champions for about five years or something like that. But now they do go by world ranking and give, I think, about 50 exemptions. So they're still qualifying for 250 some odd uh, spots around the country. You know, typically you show up and there's there's one spot for every 25 or 30 guys that are entered. So it's, it's not easy. Wow. And then um, they go to, you go to the site, you play two different courses. And uh, after 36 holes, they cut to 64. Exactly. So if there's a tie for 57th with the, you know, 17 guys they'll have a 17 guy playoff for the wow. seven spots that are available and that can be kind of kind of crazy um because it usually goes into the next day because they don't have enough time you're at two different sites you got to get back to where you got to get back to oakmont in this case uh they had i don't remember exactly um i think there were 19 guys for not a lot of spots. I don't remember exactly. Do they all play in one group or is they, they split it no, up no, in any way? No, no, you play, you play. Uh, I have a good story about that one year. Um, but no, they split them up into like fours, um, gotcha. threes and fours, depending on the number and you play a hole and then you wait because you may be in or you may be out. And, um, yeah, it's pretty grueling. And then, you know, then they file you right into playing a match that, that same day. And if you're the last guy in at number 64, you'll play the number one guy, which was the medalist. And oh, wow. um, if you're 63, depending on when you get in, you, you play the guy that was number two. 
and so on and so forth uh, until 32 plays 33. And, um, you know, typically there's the, the qualifying rounds are on a Saturday, Sunday. And then, um, then, then on Monday you play a match, you know, the, they do the playoff and then the match. And then two rounds on Tuesday, two rounds on Wednesday. So it gets, again, it gets to be, uh, you know, kind of a, I mean, when I won, it was two rounds on Monday, two rounds on Tuesday. Um, And um, so you had to play, you know, in a little shorter period of time, but you know, it's, it's still a, it's a grueling week if you get all the way to the semifinals or so. You played at it was it at Shoal Creek when you played? Is that right? Or that's correct. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so, like I said, you you won it in 1986, and I, one thing I don't think people like you know just the average guy realize is I guess the gravity of winning the USAM and like what the kind of like rewards and things like that do you get for that? Um, what are some of the exemptions? Tell us like some of the exemptions that you get for that, you know, you get for winning a USM. It could be like, it could catapult you or give you option or give you the opportunity to play for some, you know, some pretty big prizes. Well, you're not really playing for prizes because you have to remain an amateur to go to these, these events. But, um, you know, the first one is if you get to the finals, um, you get to play in the masters. So that's pretty special. Um, also, if you get to the finals, you get to play in the U.S. Open, I think. It used to be that way. Uh, could just be that the winner gets to play in the U.S. Open. I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> uh, you also get to play in the British Open. Um, and you got a real good chance to play on the Walker Cup team. Yeah. And you um, you pretty much can get into – um most all of the invitationals um on tour like the bay hill invitation the arnold palmer bay hill invitational the memorial jacks tournament uh colonial uh most of the invitations most of the invitationals that are on tour will extend an invitation to the um to the u.s amateur champion so i didn't get a chance to to take advantage of that much because i was you know i was working and you know, it just didn't fit into the schedule during during the uh, the college season. I was coaching at LSU at that time, but um, but you know, most of the younger guys that are winning these days, they usually play in one or two of the invitationals as well. <clears throat> That's awesome. So you mentioned uh, that you had like a good story about the. Um, I guess you were in a, in a grueling playoff, and I know I think you've, I've, if I know this correctly, you actually have played some of your players in. Uh, USAM matches so just give us some give us your 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 USAM stories I mean your best of the best the stuff that sticks out to you well the year I was defending champion I was in a playoff uh, at Jupiter Hills for um, 20 24 guys for um, 11 spots I think it was wow and the first hole Jupiter Hills was the easiest hole in the golf course it was kind of a downhill par five and you could get there with a driver and a three iron and I missed the green just to the right. I hit a really good chip that ran about eight feet by and I just hit the perfect putt that just creased the top lip and came out. 
and um, actually I think there were 12 spots. And um, so there were 11 birdies and this was the, this was right after the, you know, this was on the Sunday. This was right after the, the round that day. And now it's dark. So a couple guys made a bogey and there were 12 guys that came back the next day for one spot. And of course, if I win that spot, I'm 64, I'm going to play the defending champion. I'm going to play the, the, uh, the medalist. And um, I hit, I, so, oh, sorry, we got, do- we got dogs. Um, so I, I go to bed and I, I start visualizing the, the second hole at Jupiter Hills, which is probably the, after the easy par five, it's, it's probably just as hard as the par five. It's the hardest par four on the course. And I visualized, you know, a hundred times the perfect drive. It was about a four iron shot, perfect four iron flags in the front right corner, little fade with a four iron, you know, 10 feet left of the hole and boom, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make a three and I'm going to win. There's no question in my mind. This is a hundred times over and over and over. And um, I, I did exactly that. I hit a perfect drive, cut a four iron in there about 10 feet left of the hole bip knocked it in i'm in the first foursome i go over cocky as as hell and i I plop down in a cart and i'm reading the newspaper you know i'm just in (laughs) nobody nobody making a birdie on this hole and um in the last group a guy hits it to the right of the right bunker in bermuda grass it's like you know this this deep he hits this crazy flop shot out, goes in the hole. And I walked up to the third tee and I said, you know, I didn't visualize this hole last night Ooh. and uh, proceeded to make a bogey and whoop, 88 out the gate. Oh, wow. That's how I really was. thought that story was going to end with a happy ending. <laughs> uh, no happy ending. The, um, I did play Chris DeMarco um, in the, 1988 u.s amateur he was on my team at florida i had gone to florida at that time and um chris called me about a week before the tournament and said coach i I didn't it was played at the the homestead which is in virginia and it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere it's a fabulous resort and he goes coach i didn't uh i didn't get a room in time i don't have a place to stay and i mean (laughs) there's nowhere to stay out there other than this grand hotel he goes, is any way I can stay with you? And I go like, yeah, we'll get a room with two beds. That, that's fine. So we play and we play both play good in the stroke play. I think we qualified about 13th or something. And the pairings came out and you know, we're, we're not playing each other in the first round, but if we win, we're going to play each other in the second round. Oh my gosh. And your roommate. And your roommate. This yeah. is- well, but, but half the field is more than half the field is now gone. And he goes, I probably got to get my own room, shouldn't I? I go like, yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so in the meantime, um, I'm listening to this uh, this cassette on uh, with my Walkman all the time, and it's a positive thinking, motivational type thing. And my Walkman had broken during the week, so I was using Chris's Walkman. We all had Walkmans back then, you know. We didn't have phones. And uh, he said. Uh, by the way, coach, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to take my Walkman with me. Oh, and I said, well, that's, that's okay, Chris, you're welcome to take your Walkman with me, with you, but 
you are currently playing with a set of my irons. And if you take your Walkman, I'm going to have to have my irons. Oh, <laughs> no. You can have the Walkman, man. You can have the Walkman. <laughs> so, anyway, you know, he's obviously had a great career and he's a terrific player. But I, I think it just came down to the fact that he was a, a little more a little more nervous and wanted to win a little bit too badly. And he got off to a bad start and then I got up on him and, and I won that match. But uh, I also played another one of my players, not in the, in the, uh, in the U S amateur, I played Robert Floyd and um, we played in the, like the quarterfinals of the North South amateur. And um, he birdied the first four holes and I walked, mm-hmm. the, walk into the fifth tee. I said, Robert, you know, Seriously, you know, you never birdied the first four holes for me. Why do you have to birdie the first four holes against me? <laughs> and, uh, and he ended up winning that match. So I'm one and one with former players in uh, match play competition. What's the, what's the vibe like on the on the course with your players at the time? I mean, I know that some of this is tongue in cheek, and you guys are ribbing each other about the Walkman, about the irons, about that. And you know, of course, saying I need to get my own room, but like I'm kind of. I mean, this is. This is serious. This is stuff on the line. So oh, no, nobody wants to lose that deal. No, I mean, that, <laughs> is, that is, that is worse. That, that, that you can't have a worse draw uh, because you, you're never going to hear the end of it. Even, even if the other guy's a, a humble enough guy not to mention it, you're just not going to happen. And um, in DeMarco's case, he's, he's the top five most competitive guys I've ever had play for me. So I knew that, I just had to win that match somehow. And uh, the vibe was, was not a lot of conversation, to be honest. Now, Floyd has a, had a little different uh, personality. So, you know, there was a little ribbon going on, um, obviously, after he got off that good start and was four up. But, um, but I got it a little closer, and uh, he wasn't having quite as much fun as he was early on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he ended up winning, I think, three and two. Nice. So, buddy, I got a question. So, you went to right out of college, like you got the head coach job at Georgia State fairly early, like within a couple of years of graduating. Um, what was the reason? Like, why? You know, why didn't you want to like see see how you could uh, do on tour? Like, what what was the what was the you know thought process there? Because obviously, you're a you were a hell of a player. Um, I was just how did that whole transition from playing to coaching so quickly like how did that come about well first of all it was georgia southern not georgia state georgia southern that's right right. and uh secondly um in in, i graduated in 75 and um uh i played pretty well that summer and i always wanted to make the walker cup team so i decided that i would just wait a couple of years and tour a little bit, work on my game. So I went to Hilton Head and, and worked this as an outside attendant for a year. It was, it was awesome. You know, we had a terrible house that was right on the ocean. I mean, it, when I say terrible, it was not a really nice place, but it was on the ocean. And, you know, you know, four guys uh, just got a little money in your pocket for the first time, making a little money as an outside attendant, making a little money gambling. I, everybody on the island thought they could play. And, you know, to be honest, they were, most of them were, were assistant pros that weren't that good. It was kind of like candy from a baby. Nice. And um, 
And, uh, anyway, we were, I would, you know, it was just a fun year uh, or nine months. So that summer I quit the job at Hilton Head and I was working on my game and we had had some success at uh, Georgia Southern. We were the only team that beat Wake Forest in 1974. They won every tournament they played except mm-hmm. for one. In 75, they won every tournament they that they played except for two. And we beat them once and Florida beat them once at the at the Georgia Southern event, the Chris Schinkel. And um, our, our coach got the job at Wake Forest. Wow. And um, he and I were close. And uh, I had told him that if I didn't play professionally, that, that I would probably like to be a college golf coach someday. I knew I didn't want to be a club pro. So I didn't want to be the club pro guy anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, I... Uh, he, he, they made me the interim coach for a year and I was a graduate assistant and, you know, I liked what I was doing and I was working on, on my master's and uh, it was taking a while. So I said, you know, I'll, I'll do it again, but you know, you're going to have to pay me some real money as opposed to just a graduate assistantship. And they agreed. Um, so I stayed for a couple of years and then I turned pro. Um, so I was still playing a lot of amateur golf in the summertime. It was coaching was a little different back then. It wasn't nearly as big a job as it is today. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you, like I said, you moved from Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern to LSU to Florida. And that's where you went on. Well, you obviously won two SEC championships at LSU, which we're going to update on your wiki. As soon as yeah. we finish this. <laughs> okay. And you went on your run at Florida. Um, and, uh, like you've coached uh, a lot of guys that are on tour to still on tour today. Uh, a lot of guys that played on tour. Um, who are some guys that you still kind of stay in contact with, or you, um, you know, you still have relationships with? I, I thought it was kind of cool uh, two years ago when they had that, uh, that first uh, PGA IQ local IQ tour event, you were this one of the starters and like all the guys knew who you were. I was like, this is, that's, that's so awesome. They're like, Hey coach, you know, like everybody knew who you were. It's just so, so cool. Like, so you have a lot of these relationships with these guys. Who's some of the guys you still kind of, you know, still chit chat with, you, you know, you talk to them while they're playing this and the other. Uh, well, you know, you know, typically the guys that, that want to talk to you after they leave are guys that play professionally. And, and in many cases, those that have had some success, uh, Billy Horsham called me Sunday night after Liberty national. Yeah. He always calls me when he has a three or four hour drive, he was driving from New York to Baltimore and, um, anytime, you know, he didn't drive very often, but anytime he's got to drive, you know, he doesn't want to be by himself. So he calls everybody that he knows that'll talk to him for half an hour at a time. And uh, <laughs> Billy and I are very close, uh, still very close to Matt Every, uh, you know, but it goes, it goes, I mean, I'm close to Jody Mudd, who played for me at Georgia Southern and won the, uh, the uh, TPC and the uh, uh, Tour Championship in, in 1990. Uh, one of my best friends in the world is Mike Donald, who played the Tour for 15 plus years. <clears throat> Lost in a playoff to Hale Irwin in 1990 at the U.S. Open. Um, I'm, I'm good friends with Ken Krieger, who played with me and for me at Georgia Southern, who's been a club pro in Country Club of Cheyenne in Wyoming. I mean, there's a lot of guys I talk to that, that you've never heard of, 
Right, right. But, um, as far as the tour guys, you know, I still talk to Jody a little bit. Uh, Mike, monthly at, at least. Horschel, monthly. Uh, every uh, every time he, he thinks I'm not mad at him for doing something crazy, uh, I'll talk to him. Uh, what about uh, Mike Cooney? <laughs> I, I I kid you not. I met him on uh, on Sunday down in Fernandina Beach. I helped him pull some carts back in the barn, and he told me to sell, tell you hello. Uh, he said you were his coach at Georgia Southern. So yeah, and he's absolutely one of the nicest human beings on the on the planet. He's uh, he's a great guy. He was uh, he was a pro at Golden Ocala in uh, Ocala when um, probably for I don't know ten years while I was coaching at Georgia. I mean at Florida. So. Um, yeah, I used to talk to Mike quite often, and I, I love me some Mike Cooney. He's he's special. Uh, well, I want to ask, I wanna the, ask you. I want to ask you to tell one more story before Ben goes to the Masters. So, um, I want you to tell. I've heard this, heard like rumors of this story, but I want you to tell when Will Claxton hits the hole in one in the SEC championship <laughs> right in front of you. I, I got to hear that. I, I want to know. I want to hear it from your eyes. Like, set it up. Tell that story because I think it's just absolutely hilarious. Well, he remembers it better than I. Uh, <laughs> but um, it, I think it was the last day of the tournament, and we're coming down the stretch with Auburn and Georgia. And, I mean, it's nick and, nip and tuck. I mean, it's it's – all three teams are, are within a shot of each other. And he's not in the last group for Auburn, but it's probably the second or last group. And he's playing with Matt Every. And the 17th holes of part three, it's got a bunker that kind of curls around the front right corner and the flags in the back right. And and so there's there's 25 yards from the, the bunker's edge to the hole. Uh, it's easier to hit it to the right of the hole in the bunker than short because – you know, they'd be 25 yards short. And um, he dead skulls it, dead skulls it. And it carries the bunker by about a yard and it runs up there and it goes in the hole for oh. hole one. <laughs> and so, you know, at this point, every shot is, you know, immensely valuable. And, you know, I can see this going away that, that Auburn's going to win with that kind of luck. And I looked, I turned around to, to every, and I went like, that is the luckiest shot I have ever seen go into the hole. <laughs> and I probably said it loudly enough for, for Claxton to hear it. Oh, he heard it. Hell yeah, he heard it. Oh, no <laughs> And so when I moved to Auburn, it was funny because um, somebody told me that, you know, Will Claxton doesn't, doesn't really like you. <laughs> And really, uh, you guys mentioned earlier, like uh, for the local IQ that, you know, most kids that, that you play against along the way, I mean, you're not, it's not like you're scheming against them in football and basketball or something. You, I mean, like it's a gentleman's game and most kids that played at other schools, I got along with great and I didn't have a problem with Will. I didn't even remember the story, but anyway, <laughs> when I, when I moved here and, and we started practicing uh, Nick, Kleiner was kind enough to let me use the facilities there to practice and work on my game. I was out there all the time with Will. And, you know, gradually we started to talk and chit chat and we'd go down and we'd practice together and, and, you know, we'd share some ideas and things. And, and then eventually 
he told me that story and he told me that he really didn't like me, but now he lives right up the street and we're really good friends. Well, he said, he says that, uh, he says the, that the way you described the shot was a little bit different. I think he said that, uh, it was probably more colorful. That he said he heard, day. he's like, he said he heard buddy say, um, that was the ugliest effing shot I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, sound I, like buddy. I'd go, I'd go with his version because he remembers it better than I do. Um, but ugly or worse, what's the difference? You it's know? not. There is. There is. <laughs> it went in a hole. It was lucky as hell. That's all I can tell you. But did Auburn win that tournament? Uh, you'll have to ask. Uh, you'll have to ask. <laughs> probably. That was during their run. Will and those guys had a pretty good run. So yeah, no, I did. they did. I, I'm, I'm pretty, yes, they won that year. Um, you talk about Will not liking you. I was told to ask you this about Doug Barron. Apparently, gave you the finger while smoking a cigarette at LSU. Is that right? Yeah, but <laughs> you but, want you want to walk us through that story? <laughs> yeah, well, but but Doug Barron, I love Doug Barron, and I think Doug Barron loves me. I mean, he and uh, I sent him a congratulatory note, uh, a text after he won two weeks ago, yep. and he sent me a picture of he and Demarco having a couple beers. So um, no, I, I like Doug. I've seen Doug uh, a lot uh, in in the last uh, ten or fifteen years, probably, and. So I'm a lame duck coach at LSU. Um, I, I'm in, in September of 87, I agreed to go to work for IMG in Cleveland, the uh, sports management company. And right. uh, they didn't want to take me out at that late date. So they agreed that I would coach in the fall until the last tournament. And Doug Barron's a freshman and he's a good player. And we had, and had Tom's was on that team. Uh, Greg Lesher played the tour. Uh, Frederick Lindgren was a, a Swedish guy that played the European tour for 15 years. So Doug was, he moved right in and he was playing well. And, and I love Doug, but Doug, Doug was about semi-crazy. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, so my office was in the uh, Pete Maravich center window office right next to Dale Brown's. And, um, he, I don't remember what he did, but I said, you need to come by the office and wear your tennis shoes because you're going to have to run. And and it was about a quarter of a mile around the Pete Maravich Center. So he <laughs> ran around it a couple of times and, um, and and you know, starts to go like, like hey, you know, like, I've had enough. And I'm, and I'm just going like, you know, keep going, keep going. <laughs> so, so then uh, the next time he comes by, he's walking and smoking a cigarette <laughs> and I just go like this and he flipped me off. So, uh, yeah, that's the way that story goes. And, you know, it, I mean, partially it would, it, it was because I was a lame duck and, and partially because, you know, I think you have to coach with a sense of humor and he was being funny and he knew, he knew that I could take it. You know, he knew that I, that I wasn't going to get mad at that. And I didn't, I mean, it, I, I laughed, what else are you going to do? I mean, that's you know, hilarious. Smoking a cigarette, walking when you're supposed to be running, you know? Rip, but, rip in the dart while you're supposed to be walking. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love, awesome. I love Doug. And, and let me tell you, I am tickled to death that, uh, you know, he's found some pretty good success on that mm-hmm. senior tour. I mean, well-deserved. He got kind of a a, a, a funny deal on, on tour a long time ago. But, um, 
you know, they, they had some uh, performance enhancing drugs that um, he was suspended for, but he was, he had been prescribed them and this was in the first year of it and nobody mm -hmm. knew what was going on. So um, yeah, good for Doug and uh, yeah, good friend. I guess now we got to trans transition to the Masters, Kyle. Unless you got any other any other uh, yeah, old oh, some some old players that maybe we can draw some stuff out of. No, um, I want to hear. I want to hear the Masters. Yeah, we we've gotten we've already gotten one particular Masters take from another previous pro uh, that didn't necessarily go over well. <laughs> yeah, Boo, was, Boo Weekly was not a fan of Augusta National. He de he deemed it the worst course he's ever played, which is kind of odd considering that he's played some of the courses that Kyle and I have played in South Alabama. <laughs> I can I can tell you that some of the courses that Kyle and I have played are not even the parking lot at Augusta National. So uh, I found that very interesting that he yeah. called it that. Augusta National is the most perfectly conditioned golf course I've ever seen, and and I don't even have any idea which would be number two um i played in an open in a u.s amateur at oakmont i think the world of oakmont i think uh, for a championship course it doesn't get a lot better than that uh cypress points an incredible place um and uh pine valley's you know just all by itself so, but augusta national's in the same class with those guys so i don't know what bo is looking at <clears throat> but it's it's a pretty special place for me and i'm sorry that he didn't have a good experience <laughs> he didn't like the uh he didn't like the toying with the like he said he said you're playing a couple of practice rounds and all of a sudden they're sucking the water out of the greens and they can get it as dry and fast as they want and that's not the conditions you were pretty much used to the first couple of days that you were out there and uh they they loved to, his his argument was what he told us he they like to come out on top they like to be the winner in, in it and uh, but he did talk about, you know, it being nice. But I, I guess that's what Kyle and I wanted to get at, too. I mean, when you, you show it, you hear you argue, you get the invite as uh, as an AM and you get there. I mean, walk us through the feeling of Augusta National. And did you stay in the crow's nest? Not during the tournament, but I, I went and played some practice round. You can, and when you, when you get invited, you can go there and play whenever you want, provided it's not during – uh, the member guests or mm -hmm. something that they've got going on. And wow. I went with Billy Andre one time. We we were on the World Cup team together, and and we went uh, and stayed in the Crow's Nest and a couple other times. But, when you know, for the tournament, you have family and stuff. And there are a lot of distractions. If you, you know, to be honest with you, if those guys were smart, they'd stay in the Crow's Nest all week. They'd get their family a house and just maybe go over and eat dinner with them. But when they want to get away and be by themselves, you know, there's some great stories about, guys sneaking down into the kitchen at night and uh, going through there and getting what they wanted as far as ice cream or beer or whatever. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know about the tricking up. Um, you know, it's, it's like every year that I've ever, you know, another perk that I didn't talk about um, is if you win the U S amateur and you stay amateur, you get invited back to Augusta national uh, every year is what they call an honorary invitee. And so, uh, and you can play for years until about three or four years ago, you could play in the par three tournament and you could play the, the, in the practice rounds and you could go out and hit balls. And I mean, you were basically a participant that didn't start on Thursday. And um, that was a, it still is a special park. I still go back every year and um, I can go in the, I can go in the, on the range. I, I can't hit balls anymore. Um, 
and I'm fine with it. I mean, I got to, I got to play in the par three tournament 30 years. I quit playing the big course, you know, 20 years ago, but, um, you know, when they lengthened it, when they tiger proofed it, it was, it was too long. And, and I felt like I was getting in the way. I wasn't as good a player as I was in the early nineties or the nineties, but, um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty special perk, but when you get there on Monday, it's like, you know, people, it, this is a very common uh, thought among the players is man, they're, they're pretty fast for Monday. They know, they know they're going to get faster, but it's still like, man, they're, they're fast now. I mean, right. I can't, I can't imagine what they're going to be like Thursday. So, you know, it's coming, um, you know, the U S open, they do the same thing. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they try to get it closer to where they're going to be, but yeah, they're going to get, they're going to get firmer and faster as the week goes on. And I don't really consider it tricked up. I just think that you ought to know that's coming. Sure. But, um, so anyway, that's, um, you know, my, my, my admiration for the masters and Augusta national are just amazing. I mean, it's just uh, such a, Oh, even as a fan, I mean, that's the tournament that you take off work to watch on Thursday and Friday. Like you're not, I mean, it's just, it's gore. You watch the whole live from the Masters starting on Monday night and that's your primetime television. Doesn't matter what else is on television. You're watching live from the Masters to see former players tell stories uh, I was going to ask you, though, um, you always hear people tell the stories about Augusta. Yeah. Walk us through 12 and the wind change and how you see players falter. I mean, like when Tiger won his last one, I mean, you got the two guys with him putting the ball in the water, and you're sitting there going – because you've heard other players say, take a seven or an eight, aim at the bunker, you come up short, you're in the bunker, you go long, you're still fine, you go – you push it or pull it, you're still fine. But I guess that's just easier said than done when you're out on the course. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's an awesome little hole. Uh, there's a, there's a, actually, there's a tongue in the, in the middle of the bunker and you just aim at the tongue and you just have to be disciplined enough to, to, to stay right there and not deviate from that. When the flag is to the left, if you aim at the hole and you, you know, pulls go farther for right-handed players. So if you pull it, it, it can go over the green and get in that, that jump back there. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you're, you're, you're screwed just as badly as you are when you hit it in the water, when it flags to the right. So um, the, I think the amazing thing when you play there is when you get back there, you know, no spectators are allowed back there. It's just amazing how narrow that green is. That's what makes it so difficult is it's just, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's at an angle. So it's a harder hole for right-handed players than left-handed players because if a, a right-handed player comes out of it, it's going to go weak to the right and go in the creek. And if he pulls it, it's going to go long left. Whereas a left-handed player like Mickelson or whatever, and the lefties have a lot of success there, Bubba, Mickelson, Weir. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they pull it, if they're aiming at the tongue and they pull it, it still is usually solid and goes far enough to be maybe be really good. And if they come out of it, it's going to be short and – the bunker is not the front bunker is not the worst place to be. The back bunker can be kind of nasty, especially if it plugs. So, you know, you just have to imagine that you, you know, you're standing on the tee and and you you look at the you look at the flag stick and the flag's blowing right at you. And it's 155 or 60 yards. And you know, if you get it up in the air with a short iron and you flutter it and the wind's against you, you know, it's it's not gonna carry the bunker if you smart enough to keep it at the tongue. 
Uh, and if you push it a little bit or come out of it at all, it's going to go in the creek. And the, but, but then when you're standing there getting, you're getting ready to make a, a decision, you look over at the flagstick on 11 and it's blowing straight the other direction. So the wind just gets down in that little corner of the course and swirls like crazy. Wow. And, and it's, it's a really tough club to pull. Uh, I never had any problem with it. Of course, you know, I played in two masters, but I only, uh, uh, I only played four rounds and I think I made four threes and I aimed at the tongue every time. And I just tried to control my trajectory, but I wasn't playing on Sunday when the heat's on. Right. Uh, Might've been a little bit easier for me, but nonetheless, it is a, it's a very difficult club to pull. And like I said, you can, you can, you can get to the tee and you, and, and you can have the opposite happen. You can look at the flag and it can be blown with you. <laughs> and you look over to 11 and the flag's blowing a, against you. And then by the time you pick your club out, they're both going the other direction. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just a, uh, it's a little vacuum down there that is uh, inexplicable. And it's a, uh, it's a tough, it's a tough club to pull, especially for a right-hander. That's awesome. We heard that you may have a Jack Nicholas story from the masters. This, uh, that ought to be, that's, that's pretty tasty. Well, the other perk um, is that when you're in the amateur, I keep coming up with these perks. They're, they're pretty sweet. Um, when you win the amateur, when you go to the Masters, it used to be that the amateur champ would play with the defending champ. That's right. So I won the 86 amateur, and Nicholas won the 86 Masters, and you played in a twosome. And so it's just Jack and I. And, um, wow, you know, you're pretty nervous. Needless to say, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was fortunate to play in the New Orleans Open. They gave me a sponsor exemption. I was at LSU again, and um, and I had uh, I made the cut in New Orleans, so I got to play in a pro tournament. So I was feeling pretty good about my game. But it's the Masters, and you're playing with the, you know, it's the greatest tournament that's ever played, and it's uh, playing with the greatest player that's ever played. Right. And uh, I got to the first tee. And I went, you know, I'm just going to focus on me. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to watch him play. So on the tee, Jack Nicholas, six time masters champion, so on and so forth. And he gets Jeez. up there and, and I just turn, I just turn around. I'm just piddling around playing like I'm getting something out of my bag or something. And, and as soon as he hits, everybody kind of goes like, woo, yeah, yeah. Ooh, and then like silence, complete silence. So I know he's hit a bad shot. And um, so I get up there and I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get my hand to stay steady enough to tee the ball up. And uh, somehow, by the grace of God, I just ripped it as good as I got right down the middle of the fairway. So we take off and the caddies are about 15 yards ahead. And, you know, there's a big dip and then you start mm-hmm. climbing the hill. And um, and you can see these people start to congregate uh, way over in the left woods, almost into the ninth fairway. And we're just chit-chatting. And, and I, I knew Jack. I recruited Gary, his son, to come to LSU. Uh, my dad and he were friendly. They knew each other. Um, and um, so uh, he, he, he says, you know, this is my 27th Masters, and that is by far the worst tee shot I've ever hit off of this tee. And I just couldn't help it. I just put my, I just looked over at him and I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, Jack, listen, uh, you know, I know I can be a little intimidating to play with, but I think you'll be okay in a couple of holes. 
<laughs> the biggest flex of all time. That is so great. Oh no, but he loved it, you know. And I know, oh, I'm he, sure. I knew he wasn't going to think I was a jerk. I mean, you know, he laughed. I mean, what else? Yeah. What else you going to do? That's did awesome. Call, did you kind of like? Did that help? Just like, okay, I'm calling. Yeah, I mean, I got off to a good start. I parred one. He bugged it. I birdied two. He birdied it. I three putted three. Uh, you know, it was a year that uh, one under par one. That was when uh, my chip. Wow. And there's only been one total higher than that year since 86 or 87. Um, and that was when Zach Johnson shot two over to win. And it was, mm-hmm. it was hot. We got on the 11th green. It was hot. It was windy. We played pretty late. We got on the 11th green and he's looking at the green. He goes like, buddy, I've, I've never, uh, I've never seen him turn purple before. I've seen him turn brown, but I've never seen him turn purple <laughs> And, and and 69 was like low round of the day. Um, so it was a, it was a tough day to play, but he did everything imaginable to make, to help me feel comfortable. I mean, he was, he is as, as great a gentleman as, as there could be. And um, it was an honor to play with him. That's awesome. Tell you about Augusta that, and I've talked to Kyle about this before when I've had a chance to go to rounds and watch it at, that, TV doesn't do justice is number one, the undulation in the greens and how small those greens are. That's way different than it looks on television. After watching it for, I don't know, 20 or 30 something years before I finally ever made the trip over there, I just was in shock as soon as we walked in and I was like, these things are a lot smaller than television makes them out to be. Yeah. And they got big, big hills. <laughs> and that yes, makes, the elevation is crazy. That makes them even, even, I mean, the greens have big hills. And, yes, the, the elevation change on the golf course is amazing. Uh, it's, a, it's a very difficult course to walk. I mean, you almost invariably on Monday and Tuesday, you know, you got shin splints uh, for a couple of days because you just, you know, eight, number eight straight uphill, 18 straight uphill, six is straight downhill. I mean, it's a, it's a very hilly golf course. And you're right, television does not do justice to – the elevation changes within the the, uh, the course from tee to green. And then when you get on the golf course uh, and you get on the greens, you realize that they're sectioned off. Some of them are fairly large, like 14, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the first half, they don't even use for a whole location. Same with five. Um, you know, they got significant, big, big movement up. Uh, but yeah, you got to be on the right side or the right quadrant or section of the greens um and that makes them smaller than they really are i mean there's you know there's a there's a saying that um you know if you could if you could put the whole locations wherever you wanted and then put a ball on every green uh the best player in the world couldn't break 90 which is even three putts um Mm. i don't i don't know that that would necessarily be true but it but it but it might be pretty close to it is if you get on the wrong side I mean, there's just no way to get the ball to, to end up next to the hole. Hmm. So you said you played in the par three contest for 30 years. Is that right? Or 20 years? How many times? Did you uh, well, they, they didn't, they, they stopped letting us play three years ago. So that would have been 17 maybe was the last time I played. So uh, I started playing in 87. So that's uh, 13, 17, that's 30. Did you did you have any hole in ones in the par three contest? Yeah, of course. I knew you had. <laughs> of course. The, don't you get the crystals every time you hit a hole in one? Yeah, yeah, I got a little crystal from Augusta National. I got. I was playing. Um, 
<laughs> I pulled a little crystal from Augusta National. Played, uh, I was playing with Horschel and um, and and Matt Every. Probably what I don't know, two thousand and ten, maybe uh, twelve, somewhere in there. And um, the second hole is a little seventy-yard kind of downhill little little pitch shot, and. Um, and I, I I used a sand wedge because I thought a 60 would would come back too much and just kind of nipped a little sand wedge in there. It took a little hop and started trickling back down the hill, went right in. Tyson, That's my nice. son, was batting for me. So uh, it was it was pretty special. And um, you also get crystal for an eagle in the tournament, which I never did. Um, but you also get crystal for close to the hole in, in the par three tournament. And one year on the seventh hole, I got closest to the hole, and so I've got, I got two pieces of Augusta National Crystal. That's now, a- correct, correct me if I'm wrong, buddy, but the last time I was at your house, all the towels in your guest bathrooms are also Augusta National towels. Is that correct? Uh, they're hand, little hand towels. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you, you wash your hands at Buddy's house, and you got an Augusta National towel to wipe your hands off with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't see an issue with that. I think that's fine. Yeah, no. they're little golf type hand towels that are. They're, they are actually the, they're not really like hand towels that you'd normally see in a bathroom. They're the hand towels that you can buy in the pro shop that you would put on your golf bag. And so oh, that's what he's got in his bathroom. Golf yeah. bag, they're, they're, they hang on a little hook in the, in the half bath that everybody uses when they're, you know, over visiting. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, buddy, man, th- we, uh, this has been so fun. I hope we can uh, do this uh, more uh, since we're kind of, we're kind of friends. Uh, we get to play together every now and then. I, I, I'm not totally salty for you stealing my parking spot. Um, he is. Breaking my heart. Uh, but I kind of feel like I should be able to park in it since you have two of them, and I came in second. But, well, that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> well, I've told, I've told the pro, I said, why don't you park in one of my spots? Because it's kind of embarrassing to sit, you, sit up. <laughs> And by the way, the member members coming up, so you got a chance for revenge. Redemption. Redemption. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't Me wait. between the two of us, buddy, I mean, we pretty much got the whole parking lot locked up. You know, I got a spot, you got two. So I got one last weekend at Sagahatchee. I won the senior uh, club championship out there. So nice. I, mean, I got you know, I got parking spots. You start <laughs> I got parking spots. Parking spots in Crystal, baby. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. That's awesome. So you're about to head out tomorrow. What time are you leaving tomorrow? Uh, you want me to call you when I get up? Yeah, nah. that'd be fine. Yeah. You call me. I'll be up. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you call me and wake me up. It's be really early. Um, hey, hey, buddy. Uh, let's visualize all 18 holes tomorrow. Okay. Tonight, let's let's yeah. visualize all 18. Okay. Sounds good. Smart, smart advice. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, good luck this weekend. Uh, we'll keep everybody posted on on how you play, and and hope we wish you the best of luck and get safe home because uh, get safe. I, I, I want. I think I won fifteen dollars off of you. I'm I'm, I'm feeling good and uh, ready to play again. So we're ready to roll again soon. I don't, I don't remember that fifteen dollars. <laughs> who, who was my partner? He must have been awful. Uh, he was. I think he was. I think he, I think you had a bad partner that day. That day. <laughs> Sounds good. Hope to play with you soon. Absolutely. Take it easy, man. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. buddy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E 
AV on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.